I was out walking. <laughs> I was out walking for fresh air to stretch my legs. And I turned the corner to go down uh, yet another street, and I saw the most beautiful sight. A garden in front of someone's yard was ablaze with yellow daffodils, with lavender hyacinth, red tulips, and tiny purple violets. In an instant, I was a young girl standing in my family home yard on Easter morning. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, and I could smell that thick, sweet fragrance of hyacinth in full bloom. I reached down, I plucked a little violet growing wild in the yard, pull the stem apart so I can suck the stem, the sweet nectar, that I only later learned can be accurately described as violet. The air is thick with promise. The sky is bright. The earth is bursting with new life. And then, in an instant, I'm back on the sidewalk gazing at that beautiful garden. But for a moment, perhaps a millisecond, I was in a place of deep harmony, a place of union, a spiritual and emotional and psychic space that can be best described as now, not yet. Now, not yet. Now, in this very moment, my senses are all at one with God. I am in sweet union, beautiful union, surprising union with the Holy One. Not yet. The millisecond of sacred union is not fully ours. It has yet to be revealed in its fullness. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Terror and amazement are actually how we ought to enter Easter if we fully understand the promise and the challenge. In raising the crucified Jesus from that awful death on the cross, in returning to him to us fully alive and divine, God has done an amazing thing. God has done a terrifying thing. In Jesus' resurrection, we easily see God's mighty work. Death is no more. It is vanquished. Life eternal is what lies ahead beyond the opaque veil that our fears perceive as the end, once and for all. This is at the heart of our Easter joy. We welcome this happy morning in every age. No longer are we living lives that are mistaken as heading toward an eternal death. No longer are we living lives of unworthiness. We have been liberated through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I could stop right here with a loud amen and we can all move without a moment's hesitation for the rest of this joyous moment, we could go from joy to joy to joy like a kid swinging from the jungle gym in the playground. We've prepared 
for this amount of joy, going deep into Holy Week and the liturgy that gives us the entire story of our Christian journey, especially Good Friday when we remember all that is wretched and evil and murderous about humanity. Easter morning is the banquet feast after a long, grueling period of hard work and skimpy rations. But Easter is only just a happy day in the springtime if we aren't honest about what God is demonstrating to us in this glorious resurrection. The resurrection is nearly blinding in its brightness. It is so bright because the resurrection, resurrection takes place in the midst of darkness that is the worst of our humanity. The resurrection promises God's eternal grace in the context of horrifying evil. So, we are promised that we are not left alone. We are not left godless and without hope because we have now our life in Christ. Yet, we are not made sinless, nor has God removed evil from our midst. It's as if God had said, on this day, you're joined to me, yet wait a little longer until I rectify the evil and the sin part. Now, not yet. Now, God has, God has done an amazing thing, the resurrection. Not yet. God has done a terrifying thing, entrusted us with the capacity to choose God over evil. The not yet of the resurrection reminds us that we continue to live in a world that knows far too much sin and evil, and that we are, none of us, free of it. In fact, the manner in which Jesus died reflects back to us the fullness of our humanity in all its sin and evil. Put another way, God's not yet reminds us that we are not in charge here. We do not control the dispensing of God's grace, of God's mercy, of God's forgiveness. Most importantly, we do not control the dispensing of God's judgment. But in our eagerness to prove that we are the innocent ones and that the guilty ones are those over there, we try, oh, but we try. Just like the disciples who were pointing the fingers at each other, running for cover, denying they knew Jesus, we too angle for ways to declare that we are innocent. We want so desperately to be blameless. We want to be the innocent who can then righteously implicate those who are to blame, the guilty ones. The resurrection reminds us of God's promise that we are forever in God's embrace, even as we stumble in sin, God's mercy endures. Our diocese is engaged in the hard work of confronting racism. We are in the early days, yet there are already glimmers of hope and promise. The work is difficult, it is frightening, it's disorienting, and it's liberating. It would be tempting to want to be 
innocent rather than guilty in this work. It will be very easy to criticize the work as a, a single narrow issue, something unworthy of the church. Our church will be labeled perhaps divisive or angry in doing this work. Our work will succeed, this work of confronting racism, when we resist the temptation to be innocent or right, when we trust God enough to confess our imperfectness and then participate in serving Christ in one another. The scene at the cross underscores the words we say of Jesus in our Eucharistic prayer, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. He was that perfect sacrifice because he was truly innocent, truly blameless. And we are not. It is our human condition to continually reflect, repent, and return to God. Here is the awesome power of the now of the resurrection. We are, right now, because Jesus Christ has risen, recipients of God's mercy and of God's promise of eternal life. Where we once believed it was our sins that would cause God to turn away from us, we now understand that we are the ones turning away from God because of our unbelief. Our own desire for power and control is what turns us away from God. Our need to be innocent and blameless is what turns us away from God. The now of the resurrection is announcing that this divine and mysterious union has changed the entire world. Because in the resurrection, we have been forever brought into union with God a union that has the power to transform, to heal, and to renew. Where once we, like the women at the tomb, feared we'd been left to do this work alone, now we know that we are not alone. In all our endeavors to participate in the good that is God, we are walking side by side with the risen Christ. Now, not yet. Now, we have eternal life in Christ. Not yet. Our ultimate union with God has yet to be revealed, but this much we have been given. Millisecond moments when the beauty of a daffodil and the scent of a hyacinth in full bloom will fill us with a sure and certain presence of God, the presence of God in us and in the entire world. The air is thick with promise. The sky is bright. The earth is bursting with new life. The risen Christ shows us the way. Thanks be to God for this happy morning.